Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Roman. And guys, today, hope you guys are having a, um, hopefully a warm uh, and good afternoon because I had to walk home from school today. And trust me, it was not warm. It was so cold. Felt like Antarctica outside today. But guys, anyways, we are in a new month, and we are going to be in a new league uh, coming uh, soon, you know. But guys, I got to talk about, uh, I want to talk a little football. And guys, J.J. Watt officially signed a two-year deal worth, I think, worth $25 million with the Arizona Cardinals. I was surprised. I thought J.J. Watt was going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers with his brother Derek Watt and and, uh, T.J. Watt. But no, he will be playing with he will be playing with Chandler Jones and at defense. But guys, I'm not here. So I was shocked. uh, I was shocked. Um, but I'm not here to talk about the Cardinals. I want to talk about uh, the Giants and how I want to talk about J.J. Watt going to the uh, Arizona Cardinals could be good news for the Giants, you know? And here's why. I think this increases the odds that for Hassan Reddick, who will be available in free agency. You know, look. <sighs> Asan Reddick, who had a career year with 12 and a half sacks for Arizona in 2020, will almost certainly reach free agency. Hassan <clears throat> Reddick, he's 26 years old, really young, was the 13th overall pick by the Cardinals in 2017. He was playing on the edge full-time in 2020 after spending much of his time in previous seasons at off-ball linebacker. Reddick played collectively at Temple and is a Camden, New Jersey native. Over his first three seasons, Reddick had only 7.5 sacks. In 2020, he had the 12.5 sacks, and a career-high 16 quarterback hits. Five of Reddick's sacks came in one game against the Giants. So, look. Obviously, Reddick, Reddick, he's a, to me, Reddick is a player who is still growing into the edge position and has the goods and the room to grow to be a consistent 8-plus sack a year guy. You know, so I was shocked when I heard out uh, J.J. Watt going to the Cardinals when he signed with the Cardinals because Arizona they weren't they weren't J.J. Watt's uh, top landing spot. You know, I thought he was going to go to Green Bay because the Packers playing Wisconsin, and that's that's where J.J. Watt came from. He came from Wisconsin College. You know. I thought he was going to go to the Steelers because 
they obviously both of his brothers are there. So I was shocked by this, but this makes sense. Um, I think the car. If I'm a Cardinals fan, I should be really excited. No, you're bringing in a player that's really good. Not only that, but you're bringing. You, you could probably. Uh, you probably. You're probably bringing in a veteran. Um, a veteran player that can lead this young football team because the Cardinals have a young defense, you know? So, hey, let's see what happens. Can the Giants have get a chance and get Hassan Reddick? We'll find out. And, guys, another thing I want to talk about of the Giants is um, something that uh, really surprised me. So, guys, today um, I went on, I went on, I went, you know, I woke up getting ready, getting ready, you know, for work or school, you can say. And, guys, the New York Giants, there was a report that the Giants uh, are welcoming back Pat Flaherty, who was on Tom Coughlin's staff uh, back in the good old days when we had Michael Strahan, Justin Tuck, O.C., and Namira, you know, David Deal, you know. He will be coming back on the Giants' uh, staff. My thoughts on... My thoughts on... My thoughts on this look. Obviously, to me, it looks like the Giants keep just keep adding to their they, the Giants just keep adding to their offensive offensive line group. After signing Jonathan Harrison earlier this week, the team is reaching back into the Tom Coughlin days and bringing back uh, Pat Flaherty as a consultant on on head coach Joe Judge's staff. Flaherty was a Giants. Uh, confident for several years from 2004 to 2015. He was a team's offensive line coach for 12 seasons and helped guide New York to two Super Bowls along the way. Flaherty long had a rep- Flaherty long had a repetition for being one of uh, one of Tom Coughlin's top surgeons on the coaching staff. Flaherty to me was in charge of some of the best and most memorable lines in Giants history. He helped develop and cultivate David Deal, Chris Snee, Sean O'Hara, Rich Subert, and Kareem McKenzie. The unit earned multiple Pro Bowl and All-Pro honors along with paving the way for multiple 1,000-yard rushers and a pair of 1,000-yard uh, rushers in the same season back in 2008 with Brandon Jacobs and Derek Ward. Flaherty also Flaherty left the Giants once uh, Tom Coughlin uh, ex- uh, when Tom Coughlin left the Giants after the 2015 season. He coached the 49ers offensive line in 2016 for one season before coaching the Jaguars for two seasons in 2017 and 18. He joined Tom Coughlin in Jacksonville before, he, before his stint ended after two seasons. Flaherty had intentionally signed on with uh, with the Miami Dolphins back in 2019 to coach their offense line before being fired in July after reported struggles of him being able to implement the offense's new scheme and system. 
He quickly joined Penn State football for the 2019 season as a team analyst, and he helped coach James Franklin and the Nittany Lions for one successful season before everything seemingly went wrong for a Penn State University in 2020. At Penn State, he was on the same coaching staff as Sean Spencer for two seasons, who is now the Giants' current defense line coach. As both coaches' jobs are in the trenches on opposite sides of the ball, it will be really interesting to see uh, these two uh, work together, you know? It will be really interesting, you know, to also see their two units go at it every day in practice. Flaherty will enter the 2021 season at the age of 65 years old. He has 19 years of NFL experience and another 20 plus years and another 20 plus years of coaching college football. He is a seasoned coach who's seen his fair share of great linemen come and go through the NFL and college ranks. So what I got to say about all of this, the the New York Giants can only hope his second tenure with the team as successful as the first one. For her, he will be he will be taxed taxed with helping out the team's new offensive line coach, Rob Sale, who is the new offense Rob Sale who will be a, who will help develop and build up young guys like Andrew Thomas, Matt Pert, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates, and will and Will Hernandez. It's been several years since the Giants have had a steady offensive line. And this team can only hope Laherty's years of experience and wealth of knowledge can solve can solve their issues in the trenches. So that's all I gotta say about that. Um I haven't I haven't talked about this guy in a long time. You know, a really good head coach, a really good guy, you know, a lot of good experience. So it's gonna be really interesting to see him and Rob Sale work together. Him, Rob Sale, and Jason Garrett work together on this, on this improving off, in this improving offense. So yeah. So guys, and. One more thing I want to talk about the Giants is Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes. Do threat Danny. And guys, obviously, well, I'm about to talk about about Daniel Jones. It's not new to Giants fans, especially to other fans who are football fans. Obviously, the New York Giants need Daniel Jones to take a huge uh, leap in 2021. And what I and what I when I mean by a huge leap, I mean he has to he has to be better than how he was uh for uh, in year 1 and in year 2. You know, look. As the as the new NFL league year approaches, we have witnessed an increased number of quarterbacks on the move this far and it may just be the beginning. In the NFC, in the NFC least, three of the four teams could likely have a new starter at quarterback in 2021. With get this now, 
the New York Giants are the only being the New York Giants being the only team side of the position. Daniel Jones, this is gonna this is a this is a crazy fact. Daniel Jones right now is the most interest he's the most experienced quarterback in this crappy division. You don't have Carson Wentz anymore. You um Alex, there's a lot of there's a lot of division going on in Washington, especially with what Alex Smith uh, was saying that oh the team didn't uh the team didn't like how I the team didn't uh respect of how hard I worked to get here. You know? And then we're we're going to Dallas. Who knows what the Cowboys are gonna do? So the Giants right now are set at the quarterback position. You know, Dave Gunnerman. Joe Judge, they believe in Danny Dimes. Joe Judge clearly said it himself that Daniel Jones, this, he clearly said Daniel is our guy. So look it. When I look at this division, Philadelphia is starting to have a new face at quarterback after shipping Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts a few weeks ago, leaving the job to second-year quarterback Jalen Hurts, who I have a lot, who I have a lot of faith in. Experts believe the Eagles could take a quarterback with the number six overall pick in the draft in April if the right situation presents itself. Washington is also on the market for a signal caller. They currently have Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke, but can't be confident that either player is the long-term answer. They are attempting to orchestrate a trade for a quarterback before the draft, and Dallas Dallas is playing the cat and mouse game with Dak Prescott and may end up using and may end up using the franchise tag on him again this year, which I don't see happening because Dak wants his money. It's unlikely that Prescott will play anywhere else in 2021, but there's a good possibility his tenure in Dallas will remain uncertain again this year. That leaves the Giants, who are, like I said, who are content in Daniel Jones. They believe in him, who was on who under center even with all of his shortcomings. Jones, obviously Daniel Jones, he didn't he didn't improve the, he didn't improve that much this year. Only threw eleven touchdowns and threw uh and oh no, he threw uh ten touchdowns and eleven and uh, eleven interceptions and he fumbled the ball six times. The Giants offense was next to last in the league in points and yards last year. Their offense was ranked 30th in points in yards last year. And many experts are beginning to doubt the Giants' blind loyalty to Daniel Jones at this point. Look at, obviously, he, look at, um, Dave Gutterman, uh, Dave Gutterman, who is the general manager for the Giants, said after the season, obviously, he flashed last year. He had some big games and played well. Then he had, then he had games that weren't so great. This year, early in the season, he was struggling with his ball protection. We all know that. So look at I'm gonna, I'm I'm not gonna disagree with Dave Gutterman. You have to understand the second half of the year, unfortunately, um, unfortunately he had, you know, that blip with the hamstring. He finished the season very strong. He played well against Baltimore despite getting chased all over the place to a degree. Made some big time throws, really and truly. It may sound uh, trite, but obviously the last game of the year was a playoff game for the Giants. It really was, you know. We 
the Giants had to win that game to force Washington to win their game. Daniel Jones played very well, and there's no doubt about it. He made he made a couple of big time throws, protected the ball for the most part. The one pick was off of Evan Ingram's hands. He's done a lot of really good stuff. He's made of the, he's made uh he's made of the right stuff mentally and physically. Again, we're talking about a young quarterback who, to me, who has had two different offensive coordinators in the NFL, two different systems. Obviously, Daniel Jones had a different one at Duke. So he got three different systems in three years. I thought in my, from, I thought in, from a, from a uh, football perspective, I thought he got beyond the hamstring the last two games, and he played well. You know, obviously the Giants, obviously, the Giants' complete confidence in him is moving forward. All valid points, all valid points. But the the bottom line is this. Jones took a big statistical step back after throwing for 24 touchdowns and 12 starts as a rookie in 2019. Now, if you're going to... If you're going to ask me this, Justin, will as as a Giants fan, do you think that this kid will be able to steady the ship this year now that he'll be returning to the same offense for a second straight year? We'll find out this fall. Look at after 15 years of Eli Manning, Giants fans are going to have to get used to, they're going to have to get used to different expectations from Daniel Jones. Eli Manning never missed a game due to injury, while Daniel Jones has missed five games already over his first two seasons. Year three is crucial for uh, Daniel Jones and the Giants. You know, Daniel Jones and the Giants. He obviously has to take a huge leap here for, for us starving Giants fans to buy into the Gettleman program. If not, it could be back to the drawing board for this once proud franchise that has hit the skids the last eight years. That's all I got to say. Do I think Daniel? Do I think the, uh, Daniel Jones can take a huge leap year, a huge big leap in 2021? Of course. Everything Daniel Jones has showed Giants fans, and not just Giants fans, but the critics, he's shown. He's shown some stuff. He has. He can run. He has wheels. He has a great arm. You know. He just needs to stop turning over the ball. You know. Look what. Do me a favor. Go on YouTube and look up um, Daniel Jones and Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp clearly said, and this is, a, I think he was, I think this is a game, I think it was against the Buccaneers when the Giants barely lost. He said, if you give this kid talent, if you give him a good offensive line, a good receiving core, oh, he's going to ball. He's a great quarterback. He, he does remind me of Josh Allen, you know? Why do you think everyone sees this kid as the next Josh Allen? So, I think he will have a huge leap. And we're getting Saquon Barkley back. So, I if you, if the Giants can somehow find a veteran offensive lineman, someone like Joe Tooney, you know, from the Patriots, you add that to this offensive line, oh, the Giants offense will will be way better. So I have no doubt the Giants. Um, I have no doubt the Giants coming to the season uh, looking way better than um, last year. No, so let's see what happens.
Okay, guys, let's um, guys, let's talk about the Philadelphia. Guys, let's talk about the uh, not the Eagles, the Dallas Cowgirls, the Dallas Cowboys, whatever you want to call this team. So, guys, um. <clears throat> Guys, there was, a, there was a question today. One of you, some some Cowboys fans, you guys have been asking me, and it was about the offensive line. You guys were asking me, could Connor McGovern be a starter? Look it. Here's the good. What I got to say about that question. It was nece- it was necessitated by injury, but 2020 finally saw the much-awaited debut of Connor McGovern. Throughout the last two years, McGovern's status was one of the most burning questions around this team. After all, the Cowboys made him the 90th overall pick in the 2019 draft, likening his ability to a blinking light. In other words, they thought he was easily the best player available. When they made their pick, it was a long, it was a long wait to see if that was true. Though McGovern lost his entire rookie season to a uh, to a to a injury that he sustained during training camp. When training camp rolled around in 2020, he was firmly behind a pair of entrenched starters in Zach Martin and Connor Williams. That changed during a Monday Night Football loss to Arizona. Zach Martin left the game after just a handful of snaps with a concussion, and McGovern stepped in. It would be the first of nine appearances at guard, with eight of those coming as starts as Martin later dealt with a knee injury. The Penn State product handled himself well, all things considered. When he was drafted, McGovern was seen as a young and talented prospect for a talent-laden offensive line. But by the time he stepped into the lineup, he was playing between a pair of rookies in center Tyler Biadas and right tackle Terrence Steele. Even still, the new look offensive line stabilized itself over time. It certainly wasn't perfect, but McGovern handled his side of the line capably during the second half of the season. Now here's the bad. It might not be fair, but people place high expectations on a top 100 draft pick. In today's NFL, prospects drafted in the first three rounds are expected to contribute early, and many top 100 picks even claim starting jobs quickly. This past year alone, the Cowboys got 34 combined starts from their uh, first three uh, draft picks, and CeeDee Lamb, Trevon Diggs, and, and Neville Gallimore. That puts McGovern in an interesting spot. He showed himself to be a capable starter in 2020, but those starts came after injuries decimated the offensive line. All things being equal, McGovern, to me, is not going to supplant a perennial, perennial all-pro like Zach Martin in the lineup. On the other side of the, of the center, Connor Williams, who, which was the only original starter who didn't deal with a significant injury last season. 
Now, if you're gonna ask me, Justin, what does this all mean for 2021? Well, look, Martin is presumed to come back healthy this season. And Williams is entering a contract year after three decent but unspectacular seasons at left guard. If you're gonna ask me, if you're a, if you Cowboys fans are gonna ask me, Justin, is McGovern good enough to claim that left guard job? Or if you guys are gonna ask me, is the left guard job even up for grabs? Or is the Cowboys coaching staff sold on the job Williams did last season as the only healthy starter? Look it. All I'm gonna say, all I'm gonna say to those questions, it's easy to imagine McGovern spending the 2021 season as a crucial backup, not a starter, but the first guy to go in if there are any problems. From there, he could potentially, to me, he could potentially be the favorite to start, let's say in 2022. So I'm, I'm, I think he might start somewhere probably in the middle of the season, just in time for a contract year of his own. If that's the way it plays out, it would be just fine. There are worse returns on investment than a dependable backup and, and an occasional starter. But there's no denying that it doesn't uh, quite live up to the expectations for the 90th overall pick. And the best, I'm gonna talk, I'm also gonna talk about the best of 2020. I'm gonna talk, I'm, I'm gonna talk about the best of 2020 from McGovern. Uh, from the Cowboys offense, actually. The midpoint of the season was a disaster for the Cowboys offense, mainly due to an, to an unsustainable, unsustainable rash of injuries. Obviously, things never, totally, things never totally stabilized during a 6-10 season, but it did get a lot better toward the later stages of the year. The offense line... The offensive line in particular started to play a lot better, as Coach Mike McCarthy noted, because the same five guys finally got to start playing together. The best game of that bunch was probably the Week 16 passing of Philadelphia. The offensive line did surrender two sacks, but they also paved the way for Ezekiel Elliott to rush for 105 yards, including 78 in the second half, as the Cowboys were nursing a lead. In particular, McGovern threw two solid uh, blocks to help spring Elliott on a 31-yard run in the fourth quarter, which was his longest run of the season. Let's talk about contract consideration. This was touched on a bit earlier, but the Cowboys' depth on the offensive line makes it tough to figure out McGovern's future. McGovern, who is 23 year old, who's 23 years old, is currently at the halfway point of his rookie contract. And he has only appeared in 14 games with eight starts. If he doesn't manage to win a starting job in 2021, he'd potentially be entering the final year of his contract without much in the way of starting experience. You know? So look it. This could work out quite well for the Cowboys, though. If Connor Williams starts all 16 games this coming season, it's entirely possible he exits in free agency at this time next year. 
if that were to happen, McGovern could step into that into the hole and let's and let's say he tries to set himself up for his next contract. That's obviously looking way too far into the future. The point I'm trying to to make is is that having excessive depth is always a good problem to have. And even if it looks like a log like a, even if it looks like a log jam right now, these things have a way of working themselves out. And if you're gonna ask me what's next for this cop for this cop for this organization, that's a that's a tough one to answer. It's a good guess that someone named Connor will be starting at left guard in 2021. The obvious favorite favorite is Connor Williams, though. Connor Williams. Though it's at least conceivable that there could be a competition between him and McGovern. They that that may depend on the coaches though. A lot of the same stuff was said during the build-up to training camp last year, and it quickly became apparent that Williams was in no jeopardy of losing his starting slot. That was before McGovern got his chance to play, though. Perhaps now, with half a season of starting, of starting experience, McGovern is better suited to push for a starting role. But even if not, if 2020 taught us anything, or Cowboys fans, anything, it's that it's never a bad thing to have quality depth, especially along an injured offensive line. So, can McGovern be a starter? It depends if he can stay healthy. Okay, guys, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. So, guys, um, <clears throat> guys, you guys, so got Eagles fans, how are you guys doing today? I really miss talking to you guys. I hope uh, Eagles fans are having a delighted um, day, you know, you know how much I love Eagles fans, you know, but Eagles fans, you got, I really, I really can't, I, I really have to thank uh, guys like EDP445 and all you guys asking me all these important questions, you know, and, you know, not my, all my other friends, Leo and all of them, that's cool, um, but anyways, guys, Eagles fans, I really appreciate you guys asking me important questions. And matter of fact, you guys asked me one interesting question that it took me it took me a bit to strategize. What do you what are you fans out there who are Eagles fans? You guys are asking me, Justin, can Matt Jones could Matt Jones really be in play for the Eagles at number six? Now obviously, Matt Jones, other from Justin Fields, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. Kid coming from Alabama, you know, and this could this could really be this could make sense because Jalen Hurts, where did he come from? He came from Alabama, so obviously, Eagles fans are wondering if the if the if Howie Roseman might draft or go after uh, a relative or a teammate or a partner, whatever that Jalen Hurts probably has. In common with. 
Um, look. Here's my answer to that question. It's pretty clear that Mac Jones isn't highly regarded among fans. But it's not just dumb, you know? The former, um, you know, look at Here's what I gotta say about uh, Mac Jones. Mac Jones has average size and athleticism for the quarterback position. He's operated out of the shotgun and pistol, showing incredible accuracy, efficiency, and poise. He is a high-effort thrower with slightly above-average arm strength. He's at his best on touch throws, where he can anticipate and place the ball on the proper shoulder of his target. He shows toughness to hang and versus pressure, although he rarely faced it with an elite offensive line protecting him. He isn't much of a threat as a runner, and he lacks the twitch to consistently escape and buy extra time. To me, Jones should become a starting NFL quarterback, but his lack of twitch and athleticism will limit the playbook with the way the game is trending. You know, containing average arm strength. He's an to me, he's an underrated deep passer that's able to layer the ball into um, adequate spots for perimeter uh, targets. As an anticipatory thrower, he's well above average with about-to-be-open throws of where he releases the ball while estimating where, where targets are going to be. Balance and Sevy within the pocket are top-tier traits as he's an excellent mover within the pocket and knows how to create windows of opportunities to release throws with a cleaner view than previously offered. Jones isn't a passer that will make a living creating off-script plays outside of structure, but he has enough mobility to take advantage of the grass offered to him. Jones is a passer that will need Jones, to me, is a passer that will need the three P's surrounding him. Playmakers, play calling, protection. At high tier levels, in order to see his full potential on a consistent basis, as he isn't a thrower that will be able to overcome those elements, being at a lower, at a lower, at a lower tier level. So look at it. Despite those concerns, though, there's been increasing buzz that Jones could go higher than expected. A roundup of the re- here's a roundup, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you Eagles fans a recent roundup. Um, a roundup of the recent hype machine. You know, um, Jones' former college teammate Tua Tagovailoa says he is a more mobile Tom Brady. Mel Kuyper has Jones going number eight overall in this latest mock draft. Kuyper says Jones has kind has kind of has a little bit of Brady in him. Peter King says he's he's he sees Jones going ahead of Trey Lance based on what he's hearing. Chris Sims says Jones is gonna go in the top ten. Jones was named one of the biggest winners of Senior Bowl week. Former NFL general manager Mike uh, Tonnenbaum says Jones is this is this year's Justin Herbert. 
So there's a lot of thing. There's a lot of obviously. There's a lot of good things that you should like about the skit, you know. But look at. So with all indications that the Eagles will consider taking a quarterback with the sixth pick, perhaps Jones might really be in play, even if he shouldn't be. There are things to like about Jones. He's coming off a 2020 season where he completed a whopping 77.4% of his passes for 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. Alabama went undefeated with Mac Jones as their starter en route to blowing out my Ohio State Buckeyes in this year's national championship game. For what it's worth, the folks at Pro Football Focus seem to love Jones. They wrote about the turn. They wrote about he turned this Crimson Tide passing offense to perhaps the best attack college football has ever seen. Jones ended up with the highest PFF grade they've ever handed out to a quarterback prospect topping 2021's number overall pick, Joe Burrow. Obviously, look, everything as people have been, everything people have been talking about, about this kid, it shows how Matt Jones edged out Burrow in a number of key categories. You know, how Mac Jones is a superior prospect to Tua, who went, who Tua went off, Tua, he got picked fifth overall in the first round to the Dolphins last year. But there are there are also things to not to not feel so good about. In addition to the issues raised in the aforementioned Jones scouting reports, he screws on the older side as he turns he's gonna turn 23 in September for uh, September. For context, Herbert played last season at at the age of 22. Justin Fields will turn uh, 22 years old this week. Trey Lance doesn't turn 22 into May. Point being, Mac Jones might offer less upside than his peers. One must also gauge the degree to which Mac Jones was successful because of his support of his supporting cast. He, cer- <clears throat> he certainly benefited from playing with last season's Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith. Having fellow potential top 10 pick Daniel Waddle didn't hurt either. Neither did throwing the ball to 2020 first-round picks Jerry Judy and Henry, and Henry Ruggs III at times in 2019. Another factor working against Mac Jones is his limited experience. He finished his college career with just 17 starts. By contrast, Trevor Lawrence had 35, Zach Wilson had 29, and Justin Fields had 22. Lance, whose inexperience has prompted concern, also only has 17 starts to his name. Of course, Trey Lance also played at the Division uh, 1 FCS level uh, level, while Jones was in the SEC. The feeling to me here is that Jones won't be the best prospect the Eagles can take at number 6 overall. And as previously stated, they shouldn't be so hell-bent on coming into this year's draft with a, uh, with a take a quarterback in the first round no matter what mindset. The Eagles should only take a passer if they absolutely love the guy and think he can be elite. Look what they did to Carson Wentz. Oh, Carson Wentz, he's the future of this franchise. And no, you wasted his talent by not giving him any good receivers. Your offense line was hurt and Zach Ertz didn't look like Zach Ertz. So look it. Perhaps the Eagles will find themselves among those comparing uh, 
uh, Mac Jones to Tom Brady. Feels pretty dangerous to be betting on the exception like that. Regardless, they at the Eagles absolutely should and will be doing your homework on Jones in addition to the other top quarterback prospects. The Eagles fans ask me, should the Eagles draft Mac Jones at number six? I don't know. I think Mac Jones is a I think he is a NFL starter. So I'm gonna say no. You guys let me know down you guys let me know down in the comments. So yeah. So guys, that's all guys, that's all I have to that's all I have uh, for today. I hope you guys like this podcast. Um, I will be doing another podcast tomorrow. And yeah. You guys have a um, you guys have a, a wonderful evening. I'll I'll speak to you tomorrow.